Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of the Round Ball Ramble podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, so check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos, online, sportsethos.com, S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S. All right, today on Ramble Ramble, we are taking a break from our division previews because I wanted to mix them in, and I said I would do this, some team-specific deep dives of people that are friends of mine that really know their team and just kind of go in-depth on that. And so I'm happy today to kick that series off with the Sacramento Kings and with a good friend, Sacramento Kings. I wouldn't even say super fan. I feel like that does it injustice. I'm going to say Sacramento Kings fan expert, team fan expert. There we go. That, that sounds better. Yep. Um, anyway, his name is Eric. Uh, you've heard him here before. He's been a guest on a few times. Always enjoy talking ball with Eric. You can find him on Twitter at EricBball3. One more time, E-R-I-K-B-Ball3. Check it out. He's worth the follow for just basketball takes, but definitely Sacramento Kings-related specific ones as well. Eric, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. It's always a pleasure to speak with you, and I'm just really excited for the season to start. I mean, we got media day already passed. We got the first preseason game coming up. It's just, it's a good time. That it is, my friend. That it is. I'm, I mean, preseason started already. And my Lakers did not look too great, but shooting still seems to be an issue. But that's not the point because guess what? That preseason for me, although I really don't like preseason, like I get a chance to get players warm, but also I feel like injuries almost certainly always happen. And like, it's not the real ball. So it's cool to see it and see the players in the uni- new uniforms and everything, but it's nothing quite like opening night. Like October 24th, I'm, I basically taken off of work. Like, that's how serious it is. I, I, it's just a different feeling in the air, but you're right. Like preseason is the dawn of that. It's the sign that it, that, that it is coming and I'm very pumped, but let's talk about that basketball, but let's talk about the Kings because Sacramento, the darlings of the NBA last season, uh, nobody, I think saw them going 48 wins. I think the over under uh, for them was like in the thirties last season. And they just came in. I mean, you were optimistic to begin with because I had you on before, um, but even I, when I heard you, I was like, oh, you know, pretty optimistic Kings fan. I had no idea that was going to be like this. You were looking like a Nostradamus there for a second. So I want to start with a brief recap of the postseason for the Kings, what you thought about it, what you thought about this offseason, and we'll kind of go right into our main topic from there, or our first topic. So I, I did think that um, last year, the playoffs, we did have a pod for that. I don't think – Oh, that, we did. Yes, previews. Yes, or did we re- yeah. recap? Yeah, we previewed it. We previewed. Yeah, it. we did a preview for the series. Um, I definitely picked the Kings to win it. Um, I thought they were going to win it in six. Unfortunately, that did not go. And uh, however, the Kings pretty much did everything that they could have to win that series. We have Sabonis playing with a broken thumb. Then De'Aaron Fox broke his thumb, and pretty much they were one Harrison Barnes three pointer away at the end of Game Four. Of, um, that stopped it from being 3-1 and went back to 2-2. They pulled off a win in Golden State for Game 6 to push it to Game 7 and then just ran out of gas. So it was a great learning experience. You can definitely hear it on media day coverage, the interviews that they're having with Mike Brown, with the players like De'Aaron Fox. They are going to take it as a learning experience. They're going to move forward. And, um, I know that this year – my prediction for this year for the record is probably not going to be the same. They're not probably going to get 48 wins, but I think they're going to get pretty darn close to that. And that's pretty much what I'm looking forward to. If they can get to that kind of four through six seed, stay out of the play in, kind of take care of their business, it'll be a good year for us. I will be happy if we can get guaranteed playoffs, no play in. Yeah, no, I, I think that especially a play in is so tricky. I agree with you. I think that would be a win 
for y'all as well. Um, and you're right, it was a very entertaining first round series, like one of the best first round series in recent memory. A lot of fun, a lot of back and forth. The atmosphere, you know, in the Sacramento Home Kings was great. Mark Jones on the call was tremendous. Like it was really, really good. You're right. It was a shame that injuries you know, played a factor, but they have a need for doing that, right? So, and unfortunately, the Sacramento Kings, who were remarkably healthy all regular season, found themselves bitten by the bug in the postseason. So, you know, rough way to go, but the first time in 16 years they've been back in the postseason, real good momentum there. Offseason comes in, and although the Kings lose, or they lose, um, Shemesi Metu went to the Suns, Rashawn Holmes traded to the Mavericks, uh, Matthew Dalvadova signed with Melbourne United, um, but and then the me, uh, Nemius Queta signed with the Celtics, but um, they did uh, bring in Sa- uh, free agent Sasha Ven- Venzikov from uh, the EuroLeague. Um, JaVel McGee got signed. Uh, Trey Young, Al- I mean, Trey Lyles, Trey Young, Trey Lyles, Alex Len were re signed. Um, Chris Duarte came in a trade from the Pacers, and then DeMontis Sabonis. Um, well, this was first, but DeMontis Bonus being probably the biggest addition, quote-unquote, uh, got a contract extension with the Kings. And so I wanted to start with that. Um, just your I, you know, impression of the Kings offseason, but also um, how do you feel about the DeMontis Bonus renegotiate and extend contract? Um, and just how you feel about him moving forward with this Kings team? Um, to discuss kind of the offseason, just to go back a little bit, one of the other really big moves that they made was re-signing Harrison Barnes. Kind of going into the offseason, we weren't sure if they were going to open up that max cap space when they trade Rashawn Holmes and the number uh, to the Mavericks on draft night. The way they made that move, it looked like they were opening up their cap space to make some moves. Um, I know I was a fan of possibly going out and getting Kyle Kuzma, but there were a lot of other people who were discussed at that time. I was not a fan of them getting Draymond, and so I'm very happy that I'll take some bonus back over them throwing mm-hmm. money at Draymond and paying everyone who's currently on the roster. Mm. I agree. I was going to ask you how you what were you what were your why were your feelings so strong about Draymond not coming? Uh, personally, uh, they everyone is going to harp on our defense being the issue, but honestly, the the fact our in the league, you know, scored the most points um, for many games. Like they had a 176 point win over 175 versus the Clippers last year. This team can put up lots and lots of points. And even going in the playoffs that's the year, they weren't necessarily worried about their defense. They wanted to make sure that they kept the tempo and they kept uh, trying to score as many points as they could. Um, yes, Draymond Green would improve the defense, but if he's expecting like a three or four year deal, close to max money, he's not the shooter he once was. And just you're playing Sabonis, you're playing Draymond, and then you're playing Fox all together. So you're pretty much putting everything on Herter and uh, Keegan Murray. And I just, I was not a big fan of that. I'm, Hoping for internal growth, even if the record may not show it this year. Um, uh, like we talked about, they brought back Trey Lyles. Um, they brought back pretty much everyone who played like their top eight last year, top eight minutes wise. They still have Sabonis, Harrison Barnes, Fox, Keegan Murray, Kevin Herter, and then off the bench, Malik Monk, Davion Mitchell, and Trey Lyles. So their top eight guys, they're sticking around. Yes, they lost Terrence Davis. Yes, they lost Shemezi Metu. But if you watch the Kings consistently, there would be many games where those guys just didn't play at all. Like they went started going to Alex Lynn pretty much the last 10 games of the season just to see if they could go in a different direction. Like Rashawn Holmes. And yes, it may have hurt from an outside perspective to lose guys who put up who put up some stats for us while they were playing for us. But Coach Brown was very um, or he, Coach Brown was willing to pull the hook 
for a guy who may not have been doing very well. He didn't, he wasn't scared to mix up his rotations and it's always talked about how guys need to stay ready, but you have some guys who pretty much only played, you know, like 10, 15 games, like uh, Alex Lynn had 26 games on the season, but he was always ready when his name was called. So everyone in the rotation right now looks like they can, they can make an impact. No, most definitely. I, I like what you brought about having guys now that, you know, they, they, like you had losses, but those players were kind of hit or miss when they did play. Now you have guys who are either on ready, you know, because of how they played with Sacramento before or from past experience, like, you know, okay, dependable vets, guys will step up. Um, and like you said, just make an impact. Um, before we even go into the rest of the roster, though, about Sabonis moving forward, um, you know, he is now locked up long-term, five-year, $217 million contract extension. Big little bit of money. I'm not going to lie to you there. Like, pretty good bit there. Um, you know, the guy has been an all-star. Um, he wanted to be there. Uh, he's a double-double machine when the NBA's better rebounders. We get all of that. At the same time, I thought even before his injury, he was kind of taken out of that first-round series. Like, again, we talk about Draymond, you know, not being maybe a, a great addition offensively. But defensively, I mean, Sabonis is taken out pretty easily in my mind for someone who was a key hub to the Kings' attack. And I just think some of his weaknesses, whether it's shooting, which is kind of iffy, not super great himself, um, and just his defensive ability or lack thereof, I feel are, are, are definitely, I wouldn't say risks, but impediments to the contract that he signed. What do you think about his future long-term with the Kings, how he plays? Can some of those weaknesses be mitigated? Because, yeah, I guess you do make that deal, but I, I would have rather had that money for a Kuzma or another player where you lean all in one direction, but it makes you more potent. Whereas Sabonis, I think, like, he helps you. Like, obviously helps you. But I don't know if he's, like, I'm not super hot on him. Let me just say that. Yeah, that's fair. And I, when we talked about our playoff preview, I was really worried about Kevon Looney kind of doing the work because they're both mm-hmm. – they're not necessarily the biggest of big men, but they're both ground-bound. They know how to uh, hold their ground in the post. And Kevon Looney totally worked him over in the series. There's no denying that. Um, I'm – a little bit bullish on Sabonis compared to probably the outside fan. Um, he was pretty much the reason our offense was so deadly last year. Um, and sometimes you just have to make that trade off where you're going offense for defense. Um, the nice thing that was evident also during that playoff series is De'Aaron Fox is putting in a far more effort defensively. Uh, Kevin Herter did a good job on Clay Thompson. Like Clay Thompson didn't have any 60 point games or anything like that during the play. And honestly, if Steph Curry doesn't go for 50 in game seven, uh, we might be talking very differently about how the Kings uh, playoffs went pretty much. Mm, that's true. Um, yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. also to add um, one thing that I'm, I am nervous about is that Sabon proven that he's pretty much consistent from outside. Like we talked about with the shooting um, yeah, exactly. right now, they're relying on Keegan Murray, uh, Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter to carry a lot of that load. I'm just hoping that none of those guys really take a step backwards because if any of them do, like let's say, for example, um, Keegan and Kevin Herter were both shot over 40% from three. Um, Harrison Barnes shot 37, 38% from three. If any of those guys fall back to earth, like if any of them start shooting, say 35%, 36% for long periods of time, it's going to be trouble. We can talk a little bit more about the rotations later on, but they really need their other three guys to be able to hit for Sabonis to work. And if they're not hitting – Yes, Sabonis can put the ball in other people's hands from like the elbows, top of the key, things like that. Those handoffs that um, did a lot of work this year. But if those guys aren't hitting, he's losing a lot of value too. So to, to answer your question, 
We'll see. I'm nervous, but not that nervous. I'll take a player who wants to be in Sacramento long-term, who took less money than we could have given him, even though he did get the maximum contract he could have gotten elsewhere. But he has said he wants to be here, and I would much rather someone who says they want to be here and has shown they're willing to be a team player than, say, like a James Harden situation or something like that, where it just seems like they're trying to always – wiggle their way out to use the term that Matt Barnes and Kevin Garnett used on that podcast. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I, you're right about that. And I, and I agree with that, that logic for sure. Um, it, That shooting though, it, it, like you said, against in that playoff series against the Warriors, like the weaknesses of that were shown of Sabonis's own weakness of outside shooting. And also like what happens if his array of, of, of teammates who usually are shooters can't connect Um, in that seven game series against the Warriors, you had um, Malik Monk shoot 32%. Um, well, yeah, Link Monk shot 33%. Um, Kevin Herter shot 20, 20%. Um, Harrison Barnes shot 24%. Davion Mitchell, 25%. Uh, your best three-point shooter statistically alongside, well, well, obviously outside from Keegan Murray, who shot 37%, was De'Aaron Fox, who actually led the team in three-point makes. And some of that was played, obviously, with a hand injury. Um, it's just not super great, right? And it's a bonus for himself, in case people are interested, shot 20%, only took five, only made one. That's the math on that. So, like, you're right. Like, he does need, in my opinion, to space out and, and acquire that shot or, or maintain that. Well, not even maintain, acquire that shot and use it because it released pressure off his teammates because it wasn't it wasn't a good time, like, for yeah. them shooting the ball in general. And this was offense, like you said. It, he was the hub of, of the one of the best, like, literally the best offense of all time offensive rating or some of all time yeah. if i remember correctly this season yeah. and that kind of it didn't come down to a screeching hall during the postseason um but it definitely was impacted significantly yeah and it, it the numbers don't look great i think golden state really did an excellent job of playing all of the sacramento pet plays but that's also the reason that the warriors also were able to um were pretty much held in check for most of that series as well um the kings were able to take them out of their pet plays as well so um i know coach brown has said during the off season or day that now that they're seeing how teams are defending them and other teams have seen what works to defend them they're working on counters and uh, something that i always believe is you should always be building counters if you can build up counters to how defense wants to play you if they want a top block you know you can back cut there's just so many different options that these teams have if you only go to one thing then you're going to lose because once someone figures it out you're the 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 scouting reports out on you yeah, you said it. It's it's one of those things. Once it's easy, it's not easy to scheme, I'd say, but once you do, like you can shut it down cold. Like, I don't like to think, and I, I think you would agree, the Kings played strong. You know, they were maybe taking teams by surprise before the all-star break, but after the all-star break, people knew who they were playing and they still couldn't really stop it. Once the postseason comes in, you're really keen on those weaknesses, take guys out. Oh, it's a bonus. You don't really shoot. Okay, great. Let's kind of play off of that. And it didn't help that Fox did get injured and that did impact his shooting. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that. There is something to be said about diversifying kind of the offense there and just making it harder to scheme against, you know, and making it more uh, a versatile attack. And some of that does go again on Sabonis in terms of unlocking his full offensive potential to therefore unlock, you know, the potential of those he plays with. But yeah. speaking of those he plays with, there is a new person on the team. Um, please, Eric, tell me more about Sasha Vazenkov. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail on Sasha. I um, didn't watch much of his girl league, but I'll just kind of give you the basic scouting report as from what I've read. Uh, there we go. First, first top of the list, lights out shooter. 
completely lights out shooter. If you ever watch any of his highlights, he's taking off balance fadeaway three pointers with guys in his face and he's just cashing in. He's just ridiculous. Um, we have a couple stats up here. So for his 2022 to 2023 year, um, he shot uh, 38% from three and shot 88% at the line. Um, he was solid on the boards, averaged about seven rebounds a game. Um, he's never going to be a defensive stopper. Um, we know that in the EuroLeague, and that's really going to be the top question mark for him in the NBA. He can pass. He can play in the post. He can uh, shoot off um, off movement and off the catch. So he's probably going to be one of our best offensive players uh, coming off the bench. And his role is just going to be come in, move the ball, shoot the ball, and make everyone be absolutely scared that they're going to leave him wide open. That's a potent a weapon to have on a very, very fun very dangerous Sacramento team. Um, what do you think will be his impact on this squad? How many minutes do you see him playing? Do you think he's like a key six man? Do you see him as a starter? Um, I mean, where, where do you kind of see Vizemskov's role based off what you've noticed, what your own personal thoughts? Curious about that. So I'll kind of mix it in with what I see the big man rotation be because I feel like those two are connected. Um, I don't think Vizemskov's going to play the three for us consistently. I don't think he has the foot speed to keep up with some of the threes in the NBA. So they're going to try and keep him as a four. And I think it's just going to – he's going to find his minutes, but they're also going to find minutes for Trey Lyles, who I think is also going to be a really important player. Um, they've said Trey Lyles is possibly going to play the three, four, or five coming off the bench. So I would say right now Vasenkov is going to be in that eighth or ninth man kind of spot. Excuse me. Um, we have Davion Mitchell, um, Malik Monk. Uh, Vazenkov, Lyles, JaVale McGee, and Chris Duarte. Like those guys are going to be coming in and out kind of the same way that last year the Kings team, you sometimes had Metsu, you sometimes had Holmes, you sometimes had Len. All of the rotation are going to kind of be worked out depending on what they need. And so I trust Coach Brown's going to find minutes for him. They didn't sign him to just sit on the bench. So he's going to get minutes, I would say, probably if I had to put an estimate, probably. 18, 20 minutes a game, depending on if he's hot, depending on if he's getting cooked or not. Um, it, it all depends on what the team needs at that time. And I do trust that, one, since he's been playing basketball for so long, you know, like he's a eight-year like EuroLeague veteran or something like that. So he's he has lots of high-level professional basketball, and he'll be fine on the team defensive aspects. It's just whether or not he'll be able to hold up one-on-one -on, -one on perimeter or, say, on switches and things like that. Yeah, and I mean, he was a accomplished player in the EuroLeague, right? You know, MVP, I think he's a Euro EuroLeague MVP. Yep, yep. A really decisive offensive player, like you said, really good shooter. Um, yeah, I, I definitely like him there. I think it's interesting that they were able to bring a guy that they've had the rights to for a minute, but just come over and uh, with the accomplishments that he's brought to be able to come in and bring that to Sacramento is going to be great. Defensively, I mean, not a whole lot there, but it's not really a lot of defense Sacramento, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I definitely am um, excited uh, to have a, a player that is accomplished in high levels of basketball, not in the NBA, bring that to the NBA and kind of see, you know, kind of have what that looks like. So really looks interesting to me. Um, let's talk about Keegan Murray, uh, somebody who had a solid rookie season, hit the most threes of any rookie in NBA history, came back summer league played way too good for summer league which was really good to see uh, in the california classic very very good where do you see key and murray this year taking a step with sacramento how do you see him kind of fitting in what are you looking at specifically um yeah just want to get your thoughts on him because i am very high on the kid for sure i i love the way he plays solid guy decisive guy but i think there's some more to be unlocked in terms of on ball creation 
um, and potential there. Yeah. Uh, to, before we get to that point, to give some context, you know, uh, Keegan, the two games in, that they played in Sacramento for the California Classic before they went to Las Vegas Summer League, averaged 35 points a game in 31 minutes. Like, Sheesh. <laughs> the guy can. The guy was able to get buckets. Um, he 51% from the field, 45% from three. He was even drawing uh, fouls and got 13 free throw attempts per game. Like the guy is figuring it out. And according to all the reports that I've been seeing on Twitter, yes, it's still Twitter. I'm not calling it X. Um, same, same. Old <laughs> habits die very hard. <laughs> um, the reports are saying that he was pretty much spent the majority of his summer in Sacramento and he was playing a lot with De'Aaron Fox. And so not only is he learning how to guard small guards, he's learning how to take advantage of his size to score on small guards. Um, he's playing against someone who's quicker defensively so that he's able to work on his mid-range game, work on his handle. So he's not just playing up against – he's not going up against traffic cones or chairs, you know. He's actually actively working on his game, trying to get better. And the coaching staff has always been trying to empower him. Um, he was very timid from my perspective this first year. It was either – it went to the corner and he took the shot – or he passed it out, or he made a cut, he got the open layup, or he passed it out. And so we started to see it during that playoff, um, during the playoff series against the Warriors. He was cooking Jordan Poole. Like, I'm pretty sure when they started Jordan Poole, they put him on Keegan because they thought, oh, this guy's not going to cook us. And then Keegan started going off. And so we were starting to see him reach this, not the ceiling, but scratching the surface of what he can do or seeing aspects of his ceiling. Um, he's always said that his – kind of NBA uh, comparison or his NBA comp was like Chris Middleton. He says he wants to be like Chris Middleton. Mm -hmm. And so he has the shot making. The question is, is he going to be able to post up on guys? Is he able to um, handle the ball? Is he able to make the contested uh, shots? Because as a catch and shoot three point guy, you know, broke the rookie record for made threes as an off the catch guy, not on ball. So he has the potential and we just have to see how much work, has actually gone into improving his game because it's really nice to see it in summer league. The question is what will happen when uh, we start playing against other NBA players. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What's one thing you'll be looking at and that you would hope to see development from Murray. Uh, the two things that I'm wanting to see is one, the confidence is he willing to catch drive and then pull up in the mid range consistently, not just catch, Oh, the shot's not there and then pass it out. And two, whether or not he's going to be able to finish inside. Um, in college, he was known as a post-up big. He was able to score from three, was able to hit mid-ranges because Iowa needed him to do that. In the NBA, he wasn't taking advantage of his post size as much as I thought he could have. Um, it felt like he would get to the paint and then put up something soft because he was bigger than the other person who was guarding him, and that mm -hmm. just doesn't work in the NBA. Put in full effort, full force with everything you do. And so I'm really looking forward for him to be more forceful. We saw little bits and pieces of it. Um, during the regular season, he had a poster dunk, first possession of summer league. I just want to see it consistently all the time because he's shown he can do it in spurts. Just can you stay consistent with it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's going to be the big thing for sure. Um, looking on from Murray to another young player, a little bit more time in Sacramento, but definitely a more uncertain future. Let's start with Davion Mitchell. Do you think, you know, he fits in well in Sacramento? I think he was used decently in the postseason as kind of a defensive guy. Um, but unfortunately, the offensive struggles were definitely there. Like, you know, 7-25 from three is not great, you know, and that's uh, kind of highlighting a weakness that he's had since been drafted. You know, off night uh, was supposed to be just for defenders, you know, just for offensive players. But it seems like 
anyone involved in Davion Mitchell for himself or the other team is having an off night all the time. So kind of what do you think about him, you know, going into year three now? And or is this year four? I think it's year three. He's got two more two more years on his contract this year and next year. Yeah. So yeah. So year three, what do you think about him and, and his play and also whether he is a fit in Sacramento moving forward? So I was actually kind of disappointed in the fact that he didn't play as many minutes as I thought he should have for the playoff series against the Warriors. Uh, But that was just because he wasn't hitting shots. So like you said, whether or not he can hit shots is uh, up to him pretty much. You know, whether or not he's having an off night or whether the defender's having an off night can be one or the other or both, it seems. So I, I have high hopes for him. Whenever people mention that they want to trade him, or, you know, move him with other pieces to try and get, uh, a, like, a third star or something like that. I'm not for that proposition. Um, having someone who can lock up opposing point guards very consistently um, is something that kind of lacks in today's NBA. Uh, yes, you sometimes have wing stopper guys who can bother, like, smaller guards, but just having someone who can get in your grill for, you know, 20 to 25 minutes, 30 minutes a night as needed is just something that's really difficult to find in the NBA. And so whether or not he can hit the shot is just going to be the deciding factor. Like he can get to the rim. He can make uh, kick out passes that look awesome. Um, I love his passing. Um, unfortunately, you don't get to see it a whole lot because why are teams don't have to close out on him because, well, they don't trust the shot. So he says he's putting in the work. I, I believe him when he says he's putting in the work. He's always putting out those workout videos. He says he's always in the gym. The coaches say they have to keep him out of the gym because he's doing uh, too much um, that he almost probably hurts his body. So uh, I believe I just we'll see how we'll see how this year goes. He's still got, like I said, two years left this year and next year before he's a restricted free agent. So hopes are high. But I mean, I'm a Kings fan. I mean, there you go. I mean, and listen, you. I had a rightful reason to be hopeful last season. But it's interesting to see that you are still high on Dave Mitchell. I, I think I am as well. I just don't know if Sacramento's the spot. I mean, I guess it is because you want some kind of defense on in your team. Like, And again, we're going to get to that. But defensively, like that's the biggest concern for me. At the same time, he's such a negative on the offensive end. It's like, I don't know if there's anyone to cheat off of offensively. It will most certainly be Davion. So I don't know. I, I guess... I, you know, if you trust the shooting development and and him trying to work at it and see what that looks like, then there's hope there. I'm not saying trade him. I'm not advocating for it. I just, I'm literally unsure of just how I think he fits in. You know, I feel like it is kind of a round peg square hole type deal or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. I think mm-hmm. what helps his fit is that he's coming off the bench with Malik Monk so that they can put whoever is the better guard defender or whoever's the better guard offensive player. They can put Davy on him and let Malik guard the other uh, guard. And so he's not required to be the playmaker, uh, but he definitely needs to be able to hit shots because if he's going to last in the NBA, he can't be a 25% three-point shooter. No, that's that's just not a recipe for success, especially not in this day and age of the league. Um, let's kind of go to Darren Fox. Darren Fox, all-star, yeah, injury replacement, but still an all-star, right? Somebody who took a major step forward after taking a big step back i thought the year before like he didn't look good to me two years ago came back bounced back in a major way really was impressed with what i saw from him average 25 points four rebounds six assists won the inaugural jerry west clutch award uh 51 percent from the field 32 percent from three uh 78 from the line 
just took over down the stretch of games, had this way of, you know, not coasting, but just playing at a steady level through the first three quarters and then ratcheting that up several notches, you know, when it was crunch time. Um, what do you think about uh, just the play of Fox? Not only what you witnessed last year, but what you think he can be this year, because he's going to be entering his 26th season, uh, which is crazy. He's been in the league of Bennett, but he's still very, very young. Um, and last season was one of his healthier seasons, his healthiest season in four years. So just what do you think about Fox's play? Um, and where is there a step he can kind of go up? And by the way, before I even let you go on that, um, those numbers I just referenced, uh, the 25, four and six, 25 points, four rebounds, six assists in the regular season, got jumped up to 27 points, five rebounds and seven assists in the postseason. So he's definitely stepped his game up. And by the way, that was with, uh, the hand injury that he suffered midway through the series. So with that, Eric, I throw it to you. Let's speak on the glory of Mr. Fox. I, I think you did leave out. You know, he was a third team All NBA. That's kind of oh, important. Sorry, yeah, that's that's kind of a thing to add. You know what? I I, I had to leave you something, Eric. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, there, there's really not much to say about Fox. It's the right now we will go as far as he leads us. You know, everyone thinks that's a bonus because um, he was the, the person who got traded in the Tyrese Halliburton trade. Everyone kind of puts their eyes on Sabonis regarding um, kind of what our faults are, you know. But uh, De'Aaron Fox, without his faults, um, he can keep working on improving the playmaking. He can work, keep working on improving his three-point shot, his free-throw shot. But at the end of the day, he was probably – a top two player in the Golden State Warriors versus King series in the playoffs. I mean, when you're pretty much going shot for shot with Steph Curry, that's pretty much all you need to see. I think right now he's probably a top five, top 10 point guard in the league. And just, I want to keep seeing him get better and better and make it to the top five. He's one of the best rim finishers in the league at a six, three guard. He's one of the best mid-range shooters because uh, as a Lakers fan, you've seen him completely kill you guys in the mid-range in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you're not going to bring that up, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the inside game, the mid-range game, they're all there. Whether or not the three-point shot comes along would be nice to see. I know he stated before that he doesn't want to just be known as a guy who is only known for his quickness. He, he can be a good shooter. The mechanics are there. It's just consistency with him. The same with – Pretty much everyone on the roster is like, can we be consistent? Can we be physical? Can we continue to put in the work that is going to be required to be not only a playoff team, but championship caliber team that they say they want to be? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, do you see him as a clear cut um, bonafide all-star this year? Uh, maybe you go into second team All-NBA. Uh, do you think that might be more of a, not a regression, but just him kind of staying pat this season? Do you see basically him ratcheting up that level of player? Is this kind of what he'll be for the next couple of years? Yeah, from your own estimation, of course. Um, by my estimate, to kind of put it in perspective, I don't see him putting up another all-NBA season. I think kind of the power of the beam kind of pushed the Kings into the, you know, the storylines this year. So I don't see him putting up another third um, third team all-NBA season. He's definitely capable of doing it, whether or not it actually happens. Uh will be interesting to see. Um, we're expecting to get more contributions from, say, like Keegan Murray and stuff like that. So he may not have the same stats that he had last year, but he was usually um, the fourth quarter guy for us. And so um, he may not be needed to be the for us all this year. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I think it's possible that he can uh, make the all-star game. Uh, the nice thing is, you know, Damian Lillard, the Western Conference, so that helps out. Um, we have 
Chris Paul aging. So that helps out uh, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant going to take shots from each other. So that might hurt their all-star cases. So we'll see. Um, I do think he can be an, another all-star caliber. C. He definitely has the talent, whether or not he puts up the stats to get there again, will be interesting to see. For sure. For sure. I'm definitely hopeful to see another step up from swipe of the Fox. What a, what a name uh, for him. I think that's one of the better names out in the NBA. Um, Talk about defense, the Kings. I mean, listen, Mike Brown, we've seen him in previous stops. Like he's been a coach for a minute and most of his team's defensive identity is really what they try to adopt. That was not something that we saw a whole lot of last season. It just, there's a good thing. There's not really a D in the Sacramento Kings name because I would make a joke related to it. It's just not a thing that they had. Um, Although their offense was electric um, defensively, they were in the bottom third of the league. They were 25th. Uh, with the personnel they brought in, I mean, depending on what you think about 35-year-old JaVale McGee, depending on what you think about Davion Mitchell, I'm not seeing a whole lot of improvement on that side. Um, but that's that's why I have you here. I'm asking you, what do you think about the defense on this team? Do you think it's a significant weakness? Is this overblown? Uh, and where do you think they'll finish kind of in the in the in the third of the in top third, middle, or the bottom third of the league defensively? Um, I would say they're somewhere between like overblown, but like they're not underrated. Like they're just meh defensively. The thing for me that kind of bothered me last year is that they were a much better defensive team on the road than they were at home. I mean, typically teams lock up at home and Uh that like the home court advantage helps them and stuff like that. But it just was really weird to see that their defense just improved so much on the road and their defense didn't improve during the playoffs. Um, it helps that they're playing against a team that, you know, you can scout consistently. Um, it's the same team you're going up against for seven games. So it's not like mm-hmm. they can, you're changing from night to night. So um, I, if I had to put an estimate, they're probably 15th to 20th in the league. Um, they were great in transition last year. Um, was a monster on the board. So he took care of a lot of defensive rebounding. So they didn't give up a whole lot of offensive rebounds. And that was one of the re- things that killed them in playoffs. They gave up a whole lot of offensive rebounds. That wasn't something they did during the year. So, I mean, yeah, 15th to 20th. I'm not expecting them to be top 10 um, just because they don't have the personnel for it. But the personnel that they currently have has shown that they can lock in, they can stay consistent, and that they're willing to play good team defense. And if you take care of the ball, you rebound the ball, and you prevent transition, like, that's that's just half the battle. If you can take care of those three things, keep them from, like I said, take care of the ball, keep them out of um, light ball turnovers, keep the other team out of transition, take care of their transition when they do get out in transition and just rebound the ball. Like I harp on my, the team coach, I coach a 12 and under team. <laughs> it's just basketball is so easy when you rebound the ball and you don't turn it over. And so they, I, I, I feel like the Kings can do that. And that just helps their defense a lot. Okay. I'm with you all. It's all about the little things. So I, I definitely uh, can see that. I think it's a mix of being overblown and being a real thing. Their offense might be so crazy. It doesn't even matter, excepting it's the best of the best, but definitely is something that I'm more or less concerned about. Um, Looking to some secondary players outside of the main group. Before we move on, just remember the Kings did win a game where they won 176 to 175. So the defense defense is a problem sometimes, but also they're really good at offense. They're very good at offense. That was one of the more fun games to watch. I'm not going to lie. It was Clippers versus Kings late in the season. Um, Russell Westbrook went crazy. Kawhi went supernova. Paul George played well. Malik Monk 
and Deer and Fox combined for like seven. It was insane. What a fun, insane fever dream of basketball game that was. Um, yeah, that was that was literally one of my favorite games. So yes, you're right. The Kings can, I guess, play just enough defense to win, or just straight up outscore you. One of those things. Um, <laughs> they can put definitely. up 176 points on you. That is hilarious. And yeah, I would say their offense with you know Vizenkov and Duarte got even a little bit better. But speaking of that, what do you think about um, Chris Duarte um, being brought in? Uh, obviously, he has some chemistry and familiarity with. Sabonis playing with him for a season and a half at Indiana. Uh, also, Kessler Edwards, who I think really improved down the stretch of last season. How did these two guys kind of factor in for you in this bench unit for the Kings? Um, I see Duarte being kind of the backup three, like we discussed. I think uh, the rotation for the backup five is going to be Davion, Monk, Vasenkov, Trey Lyles, and then Chris Duarte or JaVale McGee, depending on mm-hmm. what they need or who they're playing up against. Um I'm excited for Duarte to see if he can kind of recover some of his magic from his rookie season that he had. Because uh, coming into the league, um, he was seen as like a knockdown shooter. He had an awesome first season with Indy, and then he kind of got plagued by injuries last year. Mm-hmm. And I think what helps is that the team is so deep that he doesn't need to push himself or try to do be something he's not. He just needs his role, hit shots, be one of those guys that helps make Sabonis look good because he hits the shot that Sabonis gives him, you know, I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, Sabonis has also mentioned that uh, he enjoys the relationship he has with Duarte. They both speak Spanish. And so that helps out because I believe uh, Chris Duarte, uh, English is his second language, so he's more comfortable speaking Spanish. Um, so having Sabonis be able to speak Spanish, they can both speak Spanish on the court. Um, and, you know, most teams don't have a Spanish-speaking player on their team. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like one of those little hidden things. Yeah, that, I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's one of those things where – the chemistry is going to be better because they have that time that they spent together in Indiana. And I think he'll be a seamless fit with the team. Um, if I had to guess his minutes, I'd probably say 18 to 20 minutes range, same kind of stuff off, but it'll, it'll all depend on and, um, where they, who they want to match up with and how they want to match up with the opposing team. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I get that for sure. Um, Looking at the bigs, JaVel McGee brought in 35 years old, but you know, has been on some decent defensive teams as, as little as three years ago, uh, with the Lakers. I guess you could even say two years ago with the Phoenix Suns as well. Um, what do you think he brings, if anything, to this Kings unit? And you talked about the bit, you talked about the second unit in general, but how do you like the secondary bigs position for the Kings? Basically, anybody um, who's playing five beyond Sabonis, yeah, so. I think JaVale McGee is going to kind of fill that same role that we hope Chemezi Metu was going to fill. He's going to prevent that vertical lob threat. He's going to provide some rim protection. Um, unfortunately for Chemezi, he always had these super highlight reel dunks, but he didn't have a whole lot of highlight reel blocks. So he's going to add like a defensive presence. He's going to improve our rebounding. Um, pretty similar to Alex Lynn with more vertical pop. So I, I think JaVale is going to have a positive impact defense you know slightly he's he'll be a good lob threat for malik and davion mitchell when they get downhill with the second unit i'm not expecting a whole lot from him um he wasn't brought in to be the starter like dallas brought him in to uh, to be so if he's going to give us a solid you know 16 minutes a game while sabonis is out i'm going to be happy with that he doesn't need to be a savior he doesn't need to be the one guy that improves our defense a whole lot it's just hey if you make our defense better that's great if you provide a vertical opter at the same time, that's even better. Yeah, there you go. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, stupid. The kiss theory. Love it. Um, let's, I mean, you already talked about this, but just 
for the sake of the show, let's get that 10-man rotation kind of ironed out one more time here. Because I know we, you know we mentioned the five. We mentioned how you think the bench will kind of stacked up. But listing all 10 guys and one guy who you think has a case for cracking your top 10. Let's kind of get that. Okay. So starting five is going to be the same starting five. Fox, Sabonis, Barnes, Herter, and Keegan Murray. Um, that I don't expect that to change. I'm expecting mm-hmm. the top three minutes getters for the second unit to be Davion, uh, Monk, and Lyles again. And then they're just going to rotate in kind of whoever, whatever they need. They, if they need more shooting, they'll put in Vizankov and Duarte. If they need more defense, they'll put in uh, Kessler Edwards and uh, JaVale McGee. If McGee doesn't have it, they can put in Alex Lynn. Um, Coach Brown has shown that he's not scared to mix up the rotations if guys aren't giving him what he needs. So the, that top eight, I think, set in stone. And then whatever's left over, just going to be based off what they need. That makes sense. So eight for sure. And then the others can be put in as a, as a field basis, a need basis, you know, know your personnel type deal. I like that for sure. For sure. Um, We talk about this Kings team a lot. Well, now we do more people talk about the Kings. Now it's still down to just basic generic storylines. Like, wow. Like the beam, you know, the 48 wins, Fox, a bonus defense sucks. These general kind of themes as synopsis for this Kings team. So I ask you, what's one thing about this team that isn't talked about a lot that you you know, would like to bring out, like, oh, by the way, X, Y, Z, or a player that you might not be paying attention to that you probably should. Any kind of underlining storyline or thought that you have about this Kings team, here is the time. I would say that pretty much going in, I think everyone's kind of underestimating how healthy we were or overestimating how healthy we were last year. Um, Keegan Murray played through a broken thumb. Sabonis played through a broken thumb. Fox broke his thumb in the playoffs. Uh, Yes, by games played, we were one of the healthiest teams in the league, but um, a lot of the guys played through injury. They were trying to get to the playoffs. They were trying to break the drought. And so I don't think that last year we actually had all of the injury luck that other teams or people might be thinking we had. And so I'm expecting everyone to play similar amounts of games this year as they did last year because um, they are trying to you know, continue that streak of making the playoffs. They're trying to be even better, trying to be a championship caliber team. So I think they're going to take the regular season seriously so that they can tune up for the, the playoffs. It's not just going to be something where, oh, we made the playoffs one time, now we don't care. They're going to continue to play their starters the amount of games that they can play. Um, they're going to play the minutes that they can't play. There's not going to be any load management. They're not going to be selectively resting guys. They're going to play the guys that who are going to give us the best chance to win. Um, pretty much everyone in the main rotations, like 27 years old or younger. Um, the only person who's actually, you know, on the older side should be able McGee. So these guys are going to play, they're going to play a lot. And I'm expecting us to continue to, we're just going to um, be healthy for the majority of the season. Definitely understand that for sure. Um, let's kind of go to crunch time, you know, end of the game, two minutes left. What's the five you have out? Starters, starters, Darren Fox makes it, Darren Fox makes everything work. Uh, Sabonis sets those screens or bails them out. If Fox gets into trouble, surround him with three shooters, Barnes, uh, Barnes, Herter and Keegan. But like I said, Hey, if Herter's not having a good game, you can have Malik Monk in there. Oh, if Keegan Murray or Harrison Barnes not having a good game, you can have Zankov in for the shooting. Oh, if Sabonis uh, hasn't been able to take care of the boards well enough, you can play in like JaVale McGee. Or um, you can play in Trey Lyles if you need even more shooting than that. They have so many options that the team is uh, much deeper than last year. They, Like I said, just so many options that they can go to. I think the starting five is the best five. 
but coach Brown is just a great coach. And I think that he, he knows who he trusts and who he can help make the team or help the team win games. No, that makes sense. That makes sense for sure. All right. Um, last kind of question here. Uh, what's a weird lineup that you want to see? I'm going to throw out my first and I have two, but this is one that I'm really kind of irrationally excited about. It's the all offense lineup defensively. It's not super great, but if we're trying to score 175 points, let's get it. I have De'Aaron Fox at the one, Malik Monk at the two, Sasha Vazenkov at the three, Keegan Murray at the four, or DeMondis Bonus at the five. And if we want to go small, we'll sub out some bonus for Harrison Barnes. Oh, and have that's Harrison nice. Barnes there. Yeah, have Harrison Barnes alongside Murray, Vazenkov, Malik, and, and Fox. That's spicy. I like it. I like it. I would yeah, say that's the offense overload. I'm calling it that. I would counter your offense overload with De'Aaron, Kevin Herter, Keegan Murray, Sasha Vsenkov, and Trey Lyles. Give me Trey Lyles at the five because they had a game last year where they went to overtime against the Minnesota Timberwolves, and Sabonis fouled out, so they put in Trey Lyles, and Trey Lyles hit multiple three-pointers and hit a and-one dunk on Rudy Gobert. Like that team, you have some rebounding with Trey Lyles, but you just got all of the shooting in the world. Yeah, that's that's pretty nasty. You know, I see exactly what you're saying. That's true. I, I like this. I have another one, same kind of basic layout, but you sub out um, a monk for Kevin Herter or for Chris Duarte, um, and even go with all the bigs. Like I might even go, and this would be a little crazy, but listen, I wouldn't mind doing it at all. Where you have, um, okay, here we go. It's crazy time. Kevin Herter, Chris Duarte, Sasha Vizenkov, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray. All like 6'5 and up. Or 6'6 six, six and up. So Herter would probably be on ball. Um, uh, Duarte, Vizenkov, Murray at the four, Barnes at the five. Okay. I could see it. Yeah. I'm not really comfortable with the amount of ball handling, even though I do think Kevin Herter yeah. is, is a solid ball up. handler. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's not a lot of ball handling on that five at all, which like all the guys can put the ball on the floor for a minute, but with mm-hmm. the with the idea to score or to keep it moving. Like they're not like bring the ball up and get us into our sets. What sets? We're running. Yeah, yeah. Or like uh you're coming out with five seconds left, you need a three-pointer. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So that that's what I'd like to see. Some weird lineups there. Um but Eric, this has been fun. Before I let you go, tell people where they can find you on Twitter and then any parting thoughts you have about the Kings. All right. So um, you can find me on Twitter, not calling it X um, at Eric B ball three E R I K B then ball three. Um, I'm not posting a whole lot since uh, we're kind of in the off season, uh, but I will be posting more as the season ramps up. Uh, I don't really share too much regarding like written content or podcasts, but I do try to comment on lots of games, see what I see uh, comment on what patterns I see. So, um, please do give me a follow. Um, always happy to interact with people and uh, talk basketball. There we go. Eric, it's always a pleasure having you on the show, talking basketball with you. I definitely appreciate you for that. So thank you. Um, folks, check him out on Twitter. I'm telling you, good stuff there. You can find me on Twitter if you're so inclined at Corbin NBA, C O R B A N NBA. I'm also on Instagram there too. So, you know, do what you got to do there. Check me out. Um, check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos 
onlinesportsethos.com. Stay tuned for more Round Ball Ramble. We will keep this show going um, with more team-specific deep dives and more division previews as we get closer and closer to the actual NBA season starting. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Eric, I know you are as well. It's time to get the show going. So definitely make sure to stay tuned. Keep me keep posted. Uh, we'll have more stuff out here for y'all soon. But until next time, for Eric, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and I'll talk to y'all real, real soon. Light the beam!